Well, good morning, everyone. It's a, a great privilege for me to be with you this morning as, as Brent is away. Uh, my name is Dusty. I'm a, a pastor in town here. Um, good friends with Brent. Uh, we get together quite a bit and, and hang out and, and uh, talk God and stuff like that. And so I, I've been able to be here a couple other times and over the years uh, to speak and stuff. And so I'm just really grateful to be with you. Uh, love Rough 22. Uh, what, a, what a great place. And one thing I've just really noticed as I've been here, you know, for over a couple, there's some like really fantastic beers going on here. So I just want to, <laughs> just want to say that, man, that's props to you guys. Fantastic. Um, and so, uh, so we're, we're going to get going this morning and um, I'm going to talk uh, a lot about sickness. And uh, if we can hit the, the first slide up there. Um, and uh, one thing about sickness is it is everywhere. It's one of those things that, that we, we all get sometimes. It's one of those things we can't avoid uh, with all of our technolo- technology and all that kind of stuff. We haven't figured out the sickness thing, right? You still can't, can't get rid of it. Um, I found some, oops, sorry about that, found some uh, interesting sicknesses in the world. Um, I don't know if you're aware of a couple of these, but go ahead and hit the, hit the next slide. Um, so this guy right here, uh, they call it, there's a fancier name, I'm sure, but it's tree man disease. And what this guy's got going is these like kind of wart-like growths that come out of his hands and feet and fa- like just all over his body. Um, at, at one point, I believe they cut off all of these growths on him and it was like eight or 10 pounds of stuff like this. It was all over his hands and feet. Like he couldn't feed himself. His wife had to feed him, uh, different things like that. And it was uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Go and hit the next one. Uh, this, this next one uh, is called werewolf disease or werewolf syndrome. And what happens with the people who have this disease is, uh, I mean, I, I was commenting on some people's ability to grow beards. Uh, this guy can grow, grow a fantastic beard. But, but with this one, you, you grow hair literally all over your body. Okay? And there's actually both uh, male and female that can get this, uh, this, uh, this disease. Um, and it's just a really interesting. Go ahead and hit the next one. Um, this next one is is called uh is called a living statue okay and so what happens in this disease it's really interesting is what happens is your muscles actually begin to turn to stone okay and so obviously that wouldn't be very good on a, on a body if your muscles begin to turn to stone um that's that's uh, got some some bad health health benefits now i want to just take a moment just to talk about this idea of disease and where it comes from and so so i want us to to go all the way back uh, when when life was perfect uh, back in the garden of eden with the first people uh, because disease and sickness really gives us this understanding of the consequences of sin and, and pain and separation from god like that so i want us to bring us back uh, to the garden for a second and you have these these first people Adam and Eve, um, and they were just hanging out in this perfect place. Like if you could close your eyes and imagine what life was like when it was perfect. Okay, this is the place. You got Adam and Eve, uh, this couple running around naked in a garden. Okay, man, I close my eyes. That's, that's about what I get, right? And so it's perfect, perfect in there. And so what, what happened though is, is they rebelled against God and, and God ended up cursing the earth. Okay, and what, what happened is it went from this perfect place and, and the key to this perfect place was, was God's presence meeting with these people. Okay, and then what happened is, is sin entered the world and God cursed the world and part of the outcome of that was, was sickness. Right, they were perfectly healthy before them but then sickness entered the world. Okay, as well as a bunch of other really terrible things. 
okay, relationship difficulties, okay, violence, all this kind of stuff. And the Bible tells you stories of these first people and what happened uh, in the presence of God, okay? Um, and so here's the thing with, with God's presence and people, okay? And the best way I've heard it described is, is thinking about God like the sun, okay? The sun has a lot of really great benefits. Um, um, I got a, a bunch of kids, well, five kids. Uh, Brent always makes fun of me and thinks I have, he rounds it up to like an even dozen. And I'm like, I only got five, man. It's a piece of cake, okay? And so, so I, my, my kids, uh, my boys, um, which are my three oldest, are all in baseball and stuff. So I've been like in the sun, just soaking up the rays. Yesterday, uh, we had a tournament and stuff. And so I was enjoying, it was just a really nice day. And th- so the sun has all these great aspects to it, right? makes plants grow. It gives you a nice suntan. You enjoy the warmth. If you go to a planet that's too far away from the sun, right, it's just like an ice ball, okay? No good, okay? And so, but the thing about the sun, though, is, is if you get closer and closer to the sun in all of its pure hotness, um, if you go really right up to it, you'd be destroyed, okay? God's presence is a lot like that. It's really good on one hand, but it can be dangerous on the other hand, okay? And so what what the problem happened with, with people and with God is when people are, are, are not pure and they're not in the right state, it's dangerous to be in God's presence, okay? Because God can't deal with his presence in sin. And so we, we had these people uh, who, who were living in this perfect place and they, and they sinned and then, then the, the curse came on the world and disease happened, um, and, and, uh, and so, so the Bible gives us this story about this people, okay, called the Israelites, later become the Israelites, this family um, who, who God wanted to be close and God wanted to, to do something in the world through them, okay? And so God gave this group of people a way for them to be back into his presence, okay? And he, he kind of gave them three parts to do this, okay? So three ways to do this. One was he gave them rituals, Okay, so you do these certain rituals. Um, another thing was he gave them sacrifices. Okay, they had to do certain things with animals and, and stuff like that to cover up their sins. And the last thing he gave them, this priesthood, this people that would kind of help represent and, and, and help people be drawn into uh, the very presence of God. And so, so we, we get this story of, of these people and stuff. Okay, but I, I want us to go, go back to, to the sickness idea because sickness, it really gives us this thing because we, we, we've all felt it, right? You ever wake up in the morning and you're just like, I just feel terrible. I would just like to be kind of dead right now, okay? And, and we've all experienced that and, and it gives us this kind of sense of like, man, something is just not right. Something is just, it's just wrong, okay? We're gonna go to a story now and I want us to have all those things in the back of our mind, but I want us to go to a story and it's in the book of, of Mark. So if you can open up to Mark chapter one, um, I think there's maybe some Bibles kicking around if anyone needs a Bible. Um, we're just going to be talking, talking through the Bible this morning. And there's a, there's a story in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, uh, of a guy, who's, a guy who's sick. And we're going to see what happens when he encounters Jesus. So here's what it says. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. It says this. It says, a man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. 
Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, let's pray. Father, we just come before you again, um, asking that you send us your spirit so that we might hear from you this morning. God, I just pray that uh, just as we've been singing songs that talk about opening our hearts, uh, being broken before you, God, I just pray that our hearts and minds will be open to hear uh, your word today. Uh, your word is powerful and active, God, penetrating our hearts. And so, Lord, I just pray that, that uh, whatever we've gone through during this week, Lord, that we will just be able to come this morning with open hearts and open minds, open ears to hear what the Spirit has to say through your word. And so, God, we just pray that you speak to us in power this morning. And we ask this in the, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we, we got this guy, and uh, you can go and hit the next slide. And, and really all we know about this guy is that he has leprosy. And this is, this is a picture of, of, of man's hand with leprosy. You'll see these white spots uh, begin to develop. Um, uh, leprosy is, is a skin disease. And you can go ahead and hit the next picture, uh, a bit more graphic one. I, there was some, uh, some if you don't want to sleep tonight, okay, just like Google leprosy and click on images. And it, it's a horrifying disease, okay? It's, it's really scary looking. Um, they kind of look like, like how we would depict zombies in zombie films. Um, and so all we know about this guy is that he has leprosy. And, and I want to describe leprosy a little bit because it's, it's, it's a cure disease in our culture, right? You go around in some other places and you can still encounter it um, in, in other societies and stuff uh, who don't have access to the medicine we have. Um, and so, but what leprosy does is a, a skin disease that causes uh, deformations and, and, and uh, skin pigment to go away. Okay, but that's not even the worst of it. Okay, the worst part of leprosy is it affects the nerve endings of, of, your, of, of your, uh, your skin and stuff. And so you don't have the ability to feel anymore. Okay, you don't have the ability to sense touch. Okay. And now this causes a lot of major problems with people who have this disease. Okay, because a lot of these people end up with missing fingers, missing toes, um, just really some grotesque looking things because they don't have the ability to pull back away from pain, right? So when you go around and, and even when you teach kids and stuff, okay, you, you teach your kids not to touch fire, but of course they, they got to test it out themselves, right? You know, Johnny, don't touch this. Oh, what? Right? Oh, it burns. Okay, you pull your hand back. Right? That's the natural thing that happens when we, 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 we feel something. Okay? You step your toe, okay? you, don't, uh, you know, really kick into it, you slice your finger, you pull your hand away from the knife. Right? These are things that pain tells us that we need to do, that the sense of touch says that we need to do. Okay, but with leprosy, your, your nerve endings are gone, and you don't have the ability to pull away. Okay? So, so if there was a hot stove, the leper would just stick their hand on the hot stove, and they might not realize it until they smell the... the, the the you know smell of burning skin and they might figure out oh that's my hand okay and, and so so it's it's this really grotesque visually it's just very frightening okay the people who who have it like they're scaring little children because little you see this and, and they were just terrified of this disease it was it was just uh just horrendous 
okay? And so God had given the Israelites some very specific instructions on how to deal with people with skin diseases. Okay, I want us to kind of take us back into their culture a little bit. And so they had some very specific instructions on how they, they dealt with these skin diseases, okay? So you, you can look, and it's, it's in Leviticus chapter 13. You don't need to look there. If you really want some great reading, okay, check out Leviticus, okay? If you've tried to read through Leviticus, you're like, what in the world is this book talking about? Okay, I'll, I'll be able to explain it hopefully a little bit um, uh, today. But in Leviticus 13, it talks about how, how to deal with it. It says, if a person's found infected, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair on his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So the leper was, was uh, considered utterly unclean, both physically and spiritually. Right? So they were these outcasts, okay? kind of the outcasts of, of all outcasts. Um, and so they were really looked down upon because they associated the people then, associated the people who had leprosy, they kind of made this assumption that they were getting punished for some kind of sin that they had done. And that's why they had gotten leprosy. Right, and so, they, so not only did they have this terrible disease that affect them very, you know, physically and, and missing fingers and all this kind of stuff, they were looked down upon uh, by everyone else because they just assumed that, okay, they, they got this because they had just been so bad, they had done something so wrong um, that, that they, they, they got this disease, okay? And so, so it had really seriousness of, about being in the presence of a leper, okay? So it said they were outcasts and they were, they were literally put outside the camp, Okay, put outside of, of being in contact with their friends, their family. Uh, they had no ability to make income. And so not only were they, they physically broken, they were poor. They really had to just scrape by to get food. Okay, they, they had a rule that, that, you know, as they were going around yelling out unclean, they, they weren't supposed to be within six feet of another person. Okay, just imagine not being within six foot, six feet of, of your family. Okay, no hugs in the morning no touching. You're out there. Okay. And in fact, if it was a windy day, they had a rule that they weren't supposed to be um, 150 feet of someone kind of uh, based on the wind. Okay. That, that was their life. That was this guy's life. That was his existence. And, uh, and, and we'll get to kind of the worst part about his leprosy in, in just a second. Okay. So, so we get this guy and, and he's a leper. But it goes on, it says, the man with leprosy, it says it came to him, okay, talking about Jesus, came to him and, and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now I want to just, just focus a little bit on his posture as he comes to Jesus. It says he's kneeling and, and he's begging. Okay, so that posture kind of says a lot about what, what he was trying to communicate. Okay, it's, it's an obvious sign of desperation when you're falling on your knees before someone, uh, he was probably full of, of shame. You know, probably didn't really want to look Jesus in the eye. Jesus had been going around for, for a little while at this time. This was kind of early on in his ministry. And, and, uh, uh, and, and this leper had probably had heard, okay, Jesus can do some, some great things. And so he goes up and, and he falls on his knees before him. And his, his, he doesn't really ask a question. He kind of makes a statement kind of with a question tied into it. He says, if you are willing, 
Okay, I want us to stop, stop right there because he, he makes a pretty profound statement. He says, if you are willing, if you are willing, that, that phrase kind of has this assumption that, that Jesus is able to. Right? He doesn't say, well, Jesus, if you can. He says, if you are willing. Like, I, I believe that, Jesus, you can do something in my life. And so I'm coming, I'm, I'm getting on my knees, I'm begging you because I believe that you might be able to do something in my life. And so it says, if you are, are willing. And then here's his kind of request in here. And it's a really loaded request. Okay, so he says, if you are willing, if you want to, you can make me clean. Now, now he makes an interesting thing because I, I would think that, that if I were to make that request and I had this disease, I would say, you know, Jesus, can you heal me? Right? Get rid of my disease. But no, he says something different. He says, if you're willing, can you make me clean? Okay? Um, you know, one, one thing about, about this is, is disease and this sickness, it impacts really all of this guy's life. Okay, it's not just a disease. It impacts his, his ability to, to be around people, his ability to connect uh, with his religion. And we're going we're gonna to go to this um, and, and go and hit the next slide up there because here's the significant thing we got to realize as we look at this section is only Jesus is able to make things clean. Okay, he's the unique one that has the ability to really clean things up in our world, in our lives. Okay, so I, I want us to get about this idea of, of being clean versus unclean in their society. Okay, and, and we don't quite have it uh, like they do, but we, we have some similar things. Okay, for example, um, when I was growing up, um, uh, one of my grandmas uh, was particularly clean. And maybe it's just I was particularly unclean. Um, that, that, that I just dirty kid, right? Dirty little boy. Um, but so my grandma, uh, my grandma, we, actually I think someone here even knows my grandma, lived across the street from my grandma. Um, and so, so she was really clean. And, and I remember being a kid, and if I were in the upstairs, I was not allowed to sit on her couch, okay? Unless, unless I had just taken a shower and put on clean clothes. Okay, that was the only way my grandma would let me, let me and my brother sit on the furniture. Okay, shower, clean clothes. That was the only way. Okay, if not, I was on the floor. Okay, and it really confused me as a kid because um, at my home, I, I sat it and like grandma says, no, you got to sit on the floor. I'm like, why? Anyway, um, I, I realize now that I have three boys, like, okay, I, I kind of get it a little bit more because they're stinky, dirty kids um, and stuff. Uh, and so, but, but the, the Jewish laws, so they, they had all these, these laws and rituals Okay, uh, connected with, with being clean. Okay, and the whole idea about being clean was associated with how they were to know if they were able to be in the presence of God or not. Okay, okay, remember that son. Okay, they got to figure out how can they be in this, 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 this presence that can be dangerous to things that are unclean. Okay. And so they had all these, these rituals, these rules and stuff of being clean, okay? And, and it was associated with being in the presence of God. Okay, now anyone who was sick was automatically unclean. So this leper, okay, here's, here's the big deal about this leper. Okay, so not only could he not be around his family, not only did he, he basically live in poverty because he couldn't work, 
Okay, the biggest deal, because the whole identity of the Jews where we are the people of God that be, get to be in the presence of God, he could never go into the temple. So he could never have any way to deal with his sin. He had no way when, when, uh, when they had all the festivals and, and celebrations celebrating God and they came and made sacrifice at the temple. He could not participate in any of that. So he was an outcast, outcast in every way imaginable. With his family, with, with, with his religion, with his community. I mean, he was the outcast of outcasts. In fact, leprosy was seen kind of second of unclean things, uh, second only to a dead body. Okay? And so, so more about these things about that are unclean. So they had all kinds of things, um, all kinds of rules uh, that would make someone unclean. Okay, so they had rules and rituals associated with, with animals, what you could eat, what you could not eat. So if you ate the wrong thing, you'd be unclean, not able to go in the temple, not able to, to be right with God. Okay, they had things associated with bodily fluids. Okay, things associated with festivals, things associated with, with sacrificing of animals, things associated with dead bodies, things associated with morality. Okay, so there, there was a morality code associated with all these things. Okay, and so, so anything that was associated with the idea of death was generally termed unclean. Okay, anything that was associated with this idea of life was clean. Right, so obviously sickness is associated with death. Okay, so it's unclean. Okay, and, and so that's what this guy was, was going through. Okay, now being unclean was not necessarily like a sin as in what we would think as like a, a breaking of morality. Okay, sometimes you were just unclean, which meant I just can't go in the temple. I got to wait one or two days. I have to take a bath tonight, and then tomorrow I'm, I'm clean again. Okay, okay, that's, that's how their, their rituals work. Okay, it's, I, I know you didn't wake up this morning being like, I'm going to come to church. Um, am I clean or not? You know, ritualistically speaking. Okay, you might have think, am I clean or not, right? Uh, hopefully, you know, toss on deodorant. You didn't want to be the stinky guy, you know, up here sitting by himself, right? And so, so it's, a, it's a bit different of a, of a mentality of that, okay? And so, um, so it, it really has a lot to do with, with being in the space of God, okay? So um, one thing about clean and, and unclean is they saw unclean was transferred through touch, Okay? So the way you became unclean uh, and was, was, it was, was often transferred through touch. Okay, so if, if, you, if you touched a dead body, you'd be unclean. Okay, if you touched this leper, you were to be unclean. If you touched anything associated with all the unclean things, you were automatically unclean by, by virtue of, of this touch. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's significant. Okay, I, I just want us to know that. So I want us just to, to, to recap then what this guy is going through. This terrible, gruesome disease that affects him spiritually, emotionally, uh, physically, outcast of society, falling before Jesus. And, th- and that's why when he says, can you make me clean? It's so much more loaded than just like, hey, can you just take away this disease? Okay, he wants to, he's asking to be, I want to be back in my society. I want to be able to connect with God again. I, I want to be back where I can, I can touch things, where I can worship God, where I can just be in, be in community once again. And so we see Jesus' response after this question. It's really interesting. 
That's why he came, right? To, to be the source of, I can, I'm going to make people clean again. Okay, but he sees this and he says he was filled with compassion. Is one translation, which we kind of usually get that, that terminology. Another translation says he became indignant. Okay, the word indignant means basically he was ticked off. He was upset. Like he sees the plight of this guy and he's just mad about all that's going on. Another translation might say that, that Jesus had pity on the guy. I felt bad for him. Okay, and I'm not sure which translation is right, but what we do know about what Jesus was going through is Jesus became very emotional when he saw this guy. Right, have you ever seen something that just makes you emotional? Mad, upset, sad? Right, where we sometimes just see things in life where we're just like, oh man, that's just terrible. Okay, I think, I think most of this maybe, most of us probably experienced this in the last couple of weeks when we hear about this stuff going on in Orlando. Okay, actually, basically, whenever you turn on the news, it seems to kind of make you mad, upset, sad, right? So there's always something like, oh, it's just something terrible happening. And that's what, that's what Jesus was going through. He was looking at that. And, uh, and I, I think he was moved because he saw the consequences of sin. He saw the consequences of the curse. He saw the consequences of, of, of what sickness and, and pain and difficulty and all this separation from God does to us. And he saw it and he was moved. And, uh, and, and I love his re- response, his reaction, because I think what happened here is, is Jesus, his heart was first touched and, and then he moves to touch. So let's look at what he does. And, and you can go ahead and hit the, hit the next slide. It says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Okay, now everything that a Jewish person was supposed to do at this point, Jesus does not do, right? Okay, the Jewish person would have, would have been judging this guy, thinking this guy has done something wrong. That's why he's sick. It's his fault. Okay, but Jesus sees the plight of this guy and, and he touches him. Okay, the second thing the Jewish person was supposed to do is like, I got to get six feet away from this guy. Jesus doesn't move away. He moves in. Okay, I, want, I want us to think about this guy for a second. When the last time this guy had been touched was. Okay. Um, th- there's, there's been studies done with like babies and touch. Like, like a baby might die. Like literally die if, if they're not touched. Like we have to be touched. Like we're made to be touched. This guy hadn't been touched in who knows how long. And he wasn't expecting it, right? Because if Jesus were to touch this guy, he would be ceremony unclean. That's what everything should have said about this situation. But Jesus moves in and it says, he reached out his hand and touched the man. Okay, it's very specific. Reaches out, touches the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Okay, here, here's the amazing, 
I don't think we read this a lot of times and understand how amazing this moment is and, and what is actually going on here. Okay, the, the, the actual things that are going on here. Okay, so, so, so all the New Testament was kind of saying these things about, about sin and how it's transferred and how it's ugly and how, how death and touch and all this kind of stuff is transferred and people can't be connected with God anymore. And so what was supposed to happen here is Jesus was supposed to touch this unclean thing and the unclean thing was supposed to transfer into Jesus and then Jesus would have been ceremonially unclean for however long, long it said. And he would have had to go through the rituals. But that's not what happened here. That's not what happens in this story. Look what it says. It says, I am willing, he said, be clean. And he commands this guy with leprosy to, to not just be healed, but to be clean, to be restored back to, to community and all this kind of stuff. He's saying, be clean. He commands it. And it says, immediately the leprosy leaves the guy. And so instead of Jesus being unclean, Jesus had the ability to do what no person had ever done before, is, is to touch something unclean, and instead of being unclean, he made it clean. It's an amazing thing. Okay, you just gotta just wrap your mind around it for a while. Okay, he's the only one who's ever been able to do it, where he touched the unclean, and instead of it transferring to him, he transferred it to that guy. It says the man was immediately healed and cleansed. Okay, he was made clean. So then Jesus sends him away, and here's what it says. It says he sent him away with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Right? And so in the Jewish law, they had this, this stuff where if you were actually cleansed of something, you were to go through the rituals and, 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 and go and say, here's, here's how I'm clean again. Okay, once he did that, he was like restored back into the community. He could move back into town. He could start participating in the, in the temple stuff. All these things. Like he, his life went from outcast of society to I'm, I'm one of you again. I get to be back with my family. I get to be back with, with the people I care about. I get to participate into what my community is doing. It's just an amazing thing of what he got to do. And it says, instead, out, instead of listening to Jesus and not telling one, it says he couldn't keep his mouth shut, uh, which I probably couldn't either. Man, that's amazing stuff. And so he went out, says, to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town uh, openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Okay, now there's, there's a couple of applications I, I want us to think about this morning. I want you to think about personally in this. Okay, and there's kind of a couple questions associated with this. The first question is, what uncleanliness would you ask Jesus to make you clean of this morning? Okay, I don't, I don't know about you. Um, I'm just making some assumptions. Um, I know about me, because I am me, right? I get to walk around everywhere I go. Okay, and, and I know that I often don't live like I should live, I often don't walk in, in the ways that God wants me to walk, and it leaves me at moments in my life where, where man, I, I'm just bringing some junk in there. And I know it separates me from God. I know it's, it's not the right way to do it and stuff. And so there's times in my life where I have to, like this, this leper, I have to go before God and say, Jesus, 
man, can you take away my sin? I can't take away my own sin. Right? The unclean person can't clean themselves. Right? Imagine, imagine a person who, who uh, has, has dirty hands wearing a white shirt and they got mud on their shirt. Right? Muddy hands, white shirt, mud on your shirt. Is that person going to be able to clean the mud off his own shirt? No, what's going to happen? If he touched his own shirt, he's just going to wipe more mud. Okay, that's kind of how we are as people. Okay, we're people who, who have dirty hands, right? And, and, and our lives are stained. Okay, what the Bible teaches is that Jesus, this guy, came along and, and he's able to take away and make what's clean. Right? Because if, if, if you're dirty hands and you want to clean your shirt, you're going to need someone outside of yourself to come in and take away that stain, right? And you're going to need someone specifically with clean hands. Okay, this is what Jesus can do. This is what Jesus does in his life. He comes with his clean hands because he was sinless, the Bible teaches us. He never did anything wrong. He, he didn't enter into sin like we have. And so with his clean hands, he offers his life and he says, if you accept me, man, I'll, I'll come and clean your stains. I'll clean your shirt and then I'll wipe your hands. And I'll clean you. And so the question is, maybe some of you have brought some of that stuff with you this morning. We're just like, man, I, I know I shouldn't have watched that. I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't be in this type of relationship. Oh, I know I shouldn't, you know, fill in the blank. And we all have our stuff. Okay, the basics of being a Christian is to be someone who just comes before Jesus continually, consistently saying, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. Help me to live like you, Jesus. And he comes in with his clean hands and he touches us. He reaches out and he's willing to touch us. If we come like this guy did, humbly, right? On his knees, humbly. Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And we ask that question. Second application that we need to have when I hear the story, I think, what brokenness in the world stirs my heart? What do you see that moves you like Jesus was moved by? Right? Being a Christian means I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. So there should be things that we see in the world that we encounter that should just, it just makes us emotional. And we need to do something about that. About seven or eight years ago, um, my, my wife came up to me and, and, and had this, this thought. Uh, and she told me, she, she said, I think we should look into adopting. Um, at the time, we had three kids, uh, three sons, and, and it honestly was not on my radar, and, and, and I didn't really think a, a lot about it. Um, and so she, she threw out the idea, and, you know, as, you know, pastor and, and uh, Christian guy, I couldn't be like, wow, no, that's just a stupid idea, right? So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll pray about it, right? Which is code word for like, you know, I'm going to give the Christian response and not really think much about it, right? Okay. Um, and so, so... So, so it, it, she kept on kind of like talking about it and stuff, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't like outright dismissing it, but honestly, I, I wasn't really considering it that much either, you know, just honestly. And so 
So she kept on talking about it, and, and, I, and I remember, like, like God began to, to kind of stir some things. I remember uh, at, at a church service one time, and, and I wasn't the one speaking that day, and, and someone was speaking, um, and they, they spoke about the, there's a passage in James that talked about what true religion is, and it says true religion takes care of orphans and, and, and widows. And I'm like, orphans, adoption, right? And, I, and I'm starting to think about it a little bit be like, well, maybe, maybe God's trying to speak with me and stuff, but I, I really wasn't that convinced, but my wife was becoming more and more convinced, and I don't know if you've ever had a convinced wife, guys, okay? You, you might as well just give in, because it's going to happen, right? Anyway, so, so, so I, I wasn't quite there yet, um, you know, I, but, but I was kind of just thinking, like I was processing it. Uh, apparently, I'm a little slow to hear from, from God, and my wife was a bit quicker on this one. And so, so she started like kind of checking in and doing research and, and, and uh, uh, sending, you know, information to get some information from these uh, organizations that help adoption happen, right? And so they would send us like videos and stuff to kind of promote their, their orphanages and, and how you could adopt out of them. And so my wife had gotten this, this DVD with one and she wanted me to watch it and I had put her off a few times because um, I... I don't say I didn't care, but I, I didn't care, okay? And so, so I didn't really care. And uh, so eventually, like, I, I, uh, I concede and like, okay, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch the video, okay? Get off my back, wife. I'm watching the video. Okay, I didn't say that out loud. I just thought it, okay? Which, <laughs> anyway. Um, and so so I, I, we get the video in there. And, and I'm watching this video about these kids that don't have a mom and dad. And it began to break my heart. I don't know if you've ever had your heart just, just broken before uh, about something in the, in the world. I think one thing that we have as Americans um, I, I get to travel a lot of different places. I go all over the world with the missions organization, and I, and I just see stuff now. We live, I mean, we have our own bad stuff, but we mostly live in this bubble called America, and it's a really nice place. And, and we don't expose our hearts to the things that Jesus did. Jesus exposed himself to this leper, and, and we generally don't like to expose ourselves to the dirty stuff in life. We like to stay in the clean stuff. And I'll watch this video in my clean little world. It just got broken. Because there's all these millions of kids apparently out there that they don't have dads. And I'm a dad and I got room in my house and I have food. And, uh, and God began to just stir and break my heart. And here's the thing about when God stirs and breaks your heart, okay, it's things just move from these ideas of like, oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, help the orphans and the widows. That's, that's really nice to where he stirs and he broke my heart for the orphan. And, and it went from this thing of like, oh, this is just a nice idea to where I can't help. I have to do something about this. I can't live and follow Jesus and say I love him unless I do the very things that he asked me to do. And it put us 
on this course. And after that, that night, I, I chatted my wife. I'm like, okay, you're right. Okay, obviously you heard from God. We have to adopt. It's not even an option now. We have to do this. And so, and so we, were start, we just kind of started asking God, God, where do you want us to adopt? What do you want us to do? We'll, we'll, whatever you want, we'll, we'll do it, God. Whatever it will cost us, uh, we'll do it. And so we started researching of all these things, adoption. We looked uh, domestically. We looked internationally. And uh, we were reading in this book that just had some statistics about, about orphans. And, uh, and it was, this one particularly was about Ethiopia. And, and we were kind of leaning on adopting a girl. We only had sons at that point. So we're like, oh, maybe we can't make our own girl. I guess we'll, we'll adopt one. Um, and stuff, and so, so we we're looking at this stat, and we came across Ethiopia, and, and uh, orphan girls that don't get adopted, 80% of them become prostitutes. These, these little, little precious girls, right, made in the image of God, just so that they can eat, they, they have to become prostitutes. And I heard that, and my wife and I were just weeping and saying, okay, I guess we need to get one of those little girls. And so we got in the process to do this, and it was way more money than we had. That's a whole other story. Do the things that God tells you to, and he'll make a way. And so uh, five years ago, plus a week, um, we came back from Ethiopia with our, with our little daughter, uh, she's five years old. She'll turn six next, next month. And, uh, man, what a, what a blessing she is in, in my life. I can't imagine life without her. I, t- I tell you this story, not, not to toot anyone's horn, not to say I'm, I'm a great guy because I adopted, but, but I want you to be stirred I think, I think as Christians, as, as the people who follow Jesus, who's this guy we're reading about, it's not just a story inside of a book. This is, this is God who saw the plight of people and he came down and he went to the dirty places and he went to the places that shouldn't be touched and he touched them and he brought the life of God with him and he declared people to be clean. And I think he wants us to go out in this world if we've been touched by him and say, where, where am I going to find the things that break our hearts? Where am I going to see the things that just are destroying this world? And just for a little part in my life, I'm going to make an impact in that little area. And he calls us into it and he led by example and he says, here's what it looks like. Come follow me. And he said, you are the new temple, right? They used to have to be clean and then go to the temple. He says, no, you're the new temple. I'm going to fill you with my very spirit, the spirit of the living God. I'm going to put it inside of you so that wherever you get to go, you get to make things clean. And he invites us into it. And maybe some of you are just going after it and finding those things and just rocking it. And I think it looks... I mean, it looks a million different ways. And it looks at stuff in Boise. It looks at stuff overseas. But the invitation is there. What breaks your heart? And if your heart's not broken, I would ask you, consider asking the Lord to break your heart because there is something that God has 
for you to do. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians that he has prepared good things in advance for us. And that's what we get to walk in. It's nice to hear stories, maybe be even challenged a little bit. It's a, it's a different thing to act. I think it's easy to listen to stories, maybe be a little bit inspired. But it's, it's difficult to act. So I'd ask you just to consider what, what might that look like in my life? I bet you that there's already things that, that God has stirred in your life that have kind of bothered you, that are just sitting under there and you haven't done anything about it, like, like me, for I don't know how many months it took me to get to that spot. But I bet it's there. Jesus, the one with clean hands, invites us. He says, I'll clean you, and you can clean some other people. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for his example of touching who no one else would touch. God, I just pray for everyone in this room that we will be people with, with Jesus' touch in this world. God, I pray that includes our neighbors. I pray that includes our coworkers. Lord, I pray that includes the least of these in our world. God, I, I just pray that, that our hearts are moved, that we're filled with compassion and pity and, and anger over the things of this world. God, we don't need any more programs. We just need the church to be the church. We just need to do what you ask us to do. And so, God, I just pray that you, you move in our hearts. You stir in our minds. God, I just pray if you're speaking to anyone right now, you are going to hound them and bother them and bug them until they act to where they can't help to not act. God, we need hearts that are like yours. We need your spirit so desperately. So I just ask and beg on behalf of, of everyone here this morning, Lord, that you will just stir us. I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you're good. I just ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.